Our text for this morning is Galatians chapter 5, verse 13, uh, from the ESV translation. For you are called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, we are free at last. You may recognize this phrase as the closing lines from Martin Luther King's famous, I have a dream speech. He was, of course, speaking for the, about the fight for civil rights. I suspect, though, that many of you students today might be experienced the same type of anticipated feelings of freedom once school is out. This longing for freedom may be especially relevant for our graduating seniors. During high school, you're subjected to all sorts of rules. You aren't allowed to go to class whenever you choose. You can't dress the way you may like, and especially if you're a dorm student, you're even told exactly when to eat your meals. Our sinful nature definitely does not like rules. We don't want to be told what we can and can't do. So I'm sure that many of you are looking forward to having what probably amounts to a much more relaxed set of rules in your immediate future. But freedom also brings with it particular issues. In George Bernard Shaw's Pygmalion, which later was the uh, musical My Fair Lady, Henry Higgins helps transform a poor flower girl into being able to pass as a duchess by changing her speech and manners. Near the end of the play, after the experiment is over, Higgins tells Eliza, now you're free and can do what you like. And she replies, what am I fit for? What have you let me fit for? What am I to do? What's to become of me? The concept of freedom can be dizzyingly exciting, but also achingly terrifying. To understand freedom correctly, though, we need to depend on how God defines it. Today, today, then, I want to focus on the theme, freedom from sin, freedom to serve. For Christians, freedom can seem like a scary and potentially harmful thing. I can think at times in my own life, especially as a young person, of having some new freedom and then either abusing it or not making the best use of it. I also used to see this all the time in working at a university. The main reason that first-year students did not succeed was not because they weren't smart enough or did not understand the course material. Instead, it's because they had all sorts of new freedoms, like no bedtime, no required study time, no direct parental supervision that led them to find going to class and turning in work a much less appealing option. So you could say, well, freedom comes with more in individual responsibility. That makes sense. But in this section of, of Galatians, which deals with Christian liberty, Paul has just contrasted the covenant of the law with the new covenant of freedom through faith in Christ. This freedom from sin is nothing we deserved or were granted because we proved we are ready for it or responsible enough for it. Instead, it's the free gift of God. 
At the beginning of chapter 5, then, Paul does not emphasize their own personal responsibility, but instead contrasts the freedom of the gospel with sin slavery. He writes, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Or as Paul says in Romans 6.19, But thanks be to God that you who are once slaves of sin, having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. Once we are free from sin, the new man in us, created by faith, wants to flee sin. We don't want to be slaves of sin, but slaves of righteousness. With the freedom granted to us by Christ through his grace, we have eternal life. True freedom, that true freedom that Prof. Schaller directed us to consider earlier this week. As Paul writes in Romans 6.1, what shall we say then? Are we con to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. As long as we are on earth and have our sinful flesh, we will sin. We will fail. We will not always act like we are redeemed Christians who shine their light to the unbelieving world. We can, though, pray for forgiveness and for the strength to follow God's will and to flee sin, knowing that Christ's death has secured us forgiveness. That is true freedom indeed, knowing that we are not responsible for our salvation, but that Christ's death and resurrection covers our sins and justifies us before God. Well then, what do we do with our freedom? As Paul says in our text, we should not use our freedom as an opportunity of the flesh, but through love serve one another. What a wonderful concept. Freedom and servitude are usually contrasted, but Paul through the Holy Spirit shows us here that in what seems to be a paradox, Christ has set us free to serve one another through love. How does that work? One way to think of this is by boiling down why we are put here on earth. We are here in this world to spread the gospel message. God definitely would not need us puny, mortal, weak, and sinful humans to spread the exciting news of salvation, yet he has given us that privilege. He has set us free to serve him in love by sharing his word with others. What an awesome opportunity that comes with this greatest of freedoms. While some here may have the great privilege to serve in the public ministry, we all have the chance to serve one another in love when we love people as we love ourselves, when we care for them as souls that God created and love, loves. We serve one another in love when we care enough to help people recognize the dangers of sin and the blessings of faith. We serve one another in love when we recognize each other's weaknesses and pain and bring them the comfort of the gospel. Later in this chapter, Paul writes, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. We have been given a great gift, so we, through the Holy Spirit, can be eager and willing to share the benefits of this gift with others. We have the wonderful freedom 
to do so. Free at last, free at last, thank God Almighty, we are free at last. Though in Martin Luther King's speech, these words were applied to the civil rights movement, and though students might apply such sentiments to the end of the school year, or even to formal schooling in general, we can see that we can truly thank God Almighty for the greatest freedoms of all, freedom from sin and freedom to serve. Uh, before we close with our hymn, um, I want to have a prayer for um, two individuals of the uh, ILC family. One is Nicole uh, Schierenbeck. She is the daughter of uh, Prof. Jeffrey Schierenbeck and also engaged to Levi Schaller. Um, she went down to Madison yesterday for um, some tests. She was experiencing some um, bleeding and swelling in the eye. Um, initially, I think the, the reports were pretty good, no damage to the eye, but they're still seeing if surgery is necessary. Um, also, Prof. Paul Nauman's um, mother, Alice, uh, suffered a fall last night and was taken to the hospital. Um, nothing was broken, um, but they did discover some other problems, including a uh, serious kidney condition. We pray. Dear Heavenly Father, please grant Nicole's doctors wisdom and skill in their care for you. We ask you that you provide healing for her, that she recovers quickly and that no further issues emerge through her tests. We also ask for a quick recovery and relief from pain for Alice and that her serious health conditions may be resolved. We also pray that their loved ones are comforted with the knowledge that their health is in your hands and that these earthly pains and sorrows will strengthen their faith and draw them closer to the great physician who has already saved their souls. While Nicole and Alice are not free from physical pain and suffering, let them recognize the wonderful freedom from sin that was sealed for them with Christ's death and resurrection. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll close chapel with hymn 32, verses 1, 3, and 4.